Is someone telling you to do something and you know it's wrong? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Later in the show, you'll hear from Ira Warren, who was on our previous show, who was told to have an abortion after she was sexually abused. What a very hard situation to be in. Yeah. You know, we hear of those stories, and a lot of people might say, well, you know, she should. It's not something she wanted anyway. Mm -hmm. And other people are like, well, why should the life of a child have to suffer because of someone else's sin? And so people go back and forth on that. And it's a very tough situation to be in. And I can't imagine for her feeling like, okay, I don't want to do this, but other people are telling me to. I think oftentimes in our lives, and maybe not this situation, but I think we all can say we've been told by somebody Mm -hmm. to do something, even coerced, forced. And we know deep inside that it's not the right thing to do. Has that ever happened to you? Right. Well, you know, in our guest situation, it's a more extreme situation. But like you said, some people face this pressure where they know that's wrong, but other people are telling them, it's fine, just do it, go. And for me, when I was younger, before I knew the Lord, I lived with my friend and her mom was a drug addict and she would steal. And so to be part of them, and because I lived with them, she would say, hey, if you want to eat, you need to do this too. And I didn't want to be a part of it, but I felt like I had no other way because what was I going to do? And so people are in hard situations sometimes, and especially when you're younger. Yeah. I mean, it is hard. There's pressures everywhere. But then deep inside, our conscience knows right from wrong, you Mm -hmm. know, even when we're doing wrong or we give in to say, okay, well, someone told me to do it. We know that it's wrong. The Bible even says in Romans Mm -hmm. chapter two, it talks about how even those who don't know God have a conscience that either accuses them Mm -hmm. or excuses them. And a lot of us, you know, when you get older, you're trying to work some of those things out your conscience could be accusing you, you know, right? like, you know, no, that was wrong. No. And then you can argue, well, no, it wasn't wrong. Or she told me to do it. He told me to do it. It's not my fault. But, you know, really, how does that get reconciled? Mm-hmm. I think is really the question. Yeah. And the way that gets reconciled is to realize, yes, you know, if something was done to me, then I need to get healing from that. But yeah. also if I was a part in that at all, I take responsibility for that part. I repent for that part. And Jesus, I'm asking for your forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, and then when you can forgive even other people, like people who offend you or or you're the victim of that, that can help to set you free as well Mm -hmm. because you're letting it go. You know, sometimes we continue to do things like you said, and we excuse it. We say, ah, it's not that bad. Ah, it's not that bad. Well, the Bible says we sear our conscience and our Mm -hmm. conscience was given to everyone to know right from wrong. We know in and of ourselves what is right, what is wrong, whether we have received Jesus in our heart or not, people know right from wrong. But the more we do wrong, the more we're okay with it. But if you've been through something and you need healing, Jesus has the answer to both situations. And thanks be to God, I've been healed. Let's hear from Ira Warren right here after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. 
Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Lay. Hello, everyone. Joining us once again is Ira Warren, and she was sharing with us how she started to be sexually abused at five years old, and it went all the way till she was 16 years old, and that's when she got pregnant, and unfortunately, it was from her own father. And we're going to find out what happened right now. Ira, thanks for joining us. Yes, I'm so glad to be back. (laughs) Yes, thank you. And I understand when you found out you were pregnant, you already were seven months pregnant, but didn't know it because you were a pretty thin young lady and your mom wanted you to have an abortion. What happened with all of that? Yes, she wanted me to have an abortion, but the doctors at the time, they said, listen, you know, it's not like she's at the beginning stages of the pregnancy. There is no way that she could get an abortion. I didn't want to get an abortion because, you know, at 16 years old, I knew it was a sin to murder a child. Mm-hmm. But my dad, he stepped in and said, no, I want her to keep the baby. My mom, she was pretty livid. She didn't want me to. But needless to say, they didn't have a choice in the matter anyway because it was reported. So I was taken out of the home, and I was put in a group home with other girls that were pregnant. But our situations were totally different. Mine was just, you know, it blew some of the girls away when they found out what happened to me, you know, in this group home. So I stayed there until Joshua was born. Wow. And you are a young mom. I mean, what a scary place to be, you know, not having a mom or dad. And now you're a mom yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about the emotions you were going through? I was very scared. I mean, I was into cutting. I did a lot of cutting when I was a teenager because I didn't know how to channel all the pain and the guilt, the shame. And I was just in denial because this may sound weird, but I felt like I had betrayed my dad. Right. It's weird to say that because it's almost like, you know, I didn't want to be taken out of home. I didn't want dad to be in trouble. But right. in the early 80s, things were kind of swept under the rug. You know, my dad ended up just getting counseling after all of what had happened. Wow. Um, he didn't go to prison or anything. But, you know, I, I'm going through all of this pain and this hurt. You know, I didn't even want to exist mm. here in the land of the living. I just didn't want to be. So they had to keep a watch on me when I was in the group home because I was cutting. Mm. And there are a lot of people who do that. And tell me a little bit more about that, because some people are like, well, why do people do that? And some people think it's for attention. Some people think because they're trying to kill themselves. What is that really about? It just relieved the pain. It took my focus off what was going on and in my mind and my heart. It's almost right. like a person that go and do drugs or they drink and it just lasts for a moment. But then the issue is still there. Right. And I knew exactly where to cut. I knew places I needed to cut, you know, to really just take myself out of here. But then when I would feel this baby kick inside of me, I was like, this is a whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, here it is. I'm 16, a kid raising a kid, you know, so it was just that. Now, you had something really traumatic happen as if this wasn't already. But at 17 years old, you ended up on the streets. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, at the age of 17, I had had Joshua, and they had put me in my own apartment. And I had a boyfriend, and Mm -hmm. things didn't work out between us. I was just going through this thing of promiscuity, pretty much, just wanting someone to love me. And then I met this other guy and just said, okay, you know, you want to take care of me? He's like, yeah, I want to be with you, da-da-da, so I get pregnant by this guy. And my mom asked me, could I come back home, you know, just to build our relationship? And me not having the spirit of discernment, I just said yes. 
And so at this time, Joshua was two. He had just turned two. And William, he wasn't even one yet. And I was pregnant with Eric at the time when I had moved back in. And so I remember when I first got there, she said, well, you know, we're going to build our relationship and we're going to just start from here. And I said, okay, mom, you know, I believe that this is good for us because my parents were going through a divorce. My dad had married someone that I went to high school with and he ended up molesting her children. And I stayed with my mom, but the thing was my son had fallen on the heater and I had to rush him to the hospital. And the doctors was like, well, you know, that's good. You have to keep an eye on your son because these things do happen. And so my mom used that story against me and she called Child Protective Services on me. So I was in the home for not even two days when the Child Protective Services had come and the police was at the door with the Child Protective Services and they said, are you Ira Jacobson? I said, yes. And they said, could you step back inside the house, ma'am? And I did. And then they did this investigation or whatever and they checked my children. My children were in the other room crying and screaming. And they said, well, we're going to leave your children with your mom, but you have to go. And I said, I'm not leaving my children here. And I said, I was abused in this home as a child. And they said, well, that has nothing to do with us. You are abusing your child. I said, no, I'm not abusing my children. I'm working three jobs to take care of my kids. Uh-huh. And so they didn't care anything about that. So they left my children in the home with my mom and they kicked me out. So here was, I had nowhere to go because I had given up my place and my car. So I had nowhere to go. Mm. And so I'm living on the street and then I was gang raped while pregnant with the third son. Oh my gosh. And not only that, you had to go to the hospital because of this. Someone found you. Yeah, a lady had found me on the side of a dumpster. I was a bloody mess. They found the guys. I was gang raped by five guys. Wow. And then you were told some devastating news and you just lost it. Yeah. And after I had left Ben Top Hospital in Houston, Texas, they told me to come back because, you know, you have to do your blood work and stuff just to make sure you're okay. And I remember going into the room and the nurse, she said, Miss Jacobs, could you sit here on the table? She said, the doctor would be, and I noticed that her accountant was different on her face. And I asked her, I said, is everything okay? She pat me on the leg and she said, the doctor will be right in to talk to you. Wow. And then I said, okay. And so the doctor comes in and he was like, well, you know, Miss Jacobs, I'm just going to get right to the point and I'm not going to beat around. I said, well, doc, tell me what's wrong. And he said, well, we got your blood work back and it says, you know, that you have AIDS. And I I lost it. I remember just tearing up the whole room. I was devastated. Well, you know what, Ira, there are a lot of people listening who have had news like that. They've been told they've been given a disease or something that's freaked them out from a doctor or they've been raped by somebody or abused. You've been through so many different situations, but there's actually something amazing that happened. So we're going to have you tell us the rest of the report from the doctor on our next show. And we're going to pray for those right now who just need hope. Okay. I just sense so much that there's someone listening and maybe even identifying with this story and just saying, gosh, There comes a time in life where you can feel so betrayed, so hurt, and like there is no hope. Is there hope? There is hope for you right now. As you're listening, Jesus Christ is on the throne. He loves you. He wants to receive you. He wants to guide you. He wants to bring such healing in your life that you're able to walk over the hurts of the past. Mm -hmm. Jesus, we need you. We receive you. We believe in you. And I'm asking for someone who's saying, I just need a glimmer of hope. 
Give them that hope, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If that's you and you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Real Life.